Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Health Science Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. That song you just heard was Daniel Hughes. If you like the music, check him out. Link is in the description. Mm-hmm. Zach Hunter joined me today. Zach, what is the good word? Well, we are on the Health Science Podcast, so mitochondria, powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> I think it's pronounced mitochondria, but well, uh, close enough. Close well, that's enough. why I'm here to learn. <laughs> Finance and health science, what do those have in common? Uh, probably not much, other than the fact that your favorite hosts can be frequently found talking about both of them wow. right here on the Health Science Podcast, health science podcast. and over at the Fiscal Frisk the Podcast. Fiscal Frisk. Join Zach Tuesdays and Thursdays on all the same streaming services you found us. Well, you will get will learn to get frisky with your finances. Ooh. Now to the show today. We are the Health Science Podcast the show dedicated to helping you understand health science research, take research papers in the field of health sciences. We're going to tell you why they do what they do and what that means to you. Let's get started, shall we? The title of today's paper is An Online Self-Help CBT Intervention for Chronic Lower Back Pain. CBT being Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Now, CBT is a therapy model that uses the relationship between cognition, which is your thinking, and behaviors, which is how you act in the real world. Right. Um, I've been a huge advocate of CBT for many applications, uh, mainly because it's usually very easy, it's cheap, it's effective, and zero side effects. It's not a medication that you have to take. Right. Now, as the title suggests, the study we're looking at today uh, suggests that we can use online training to essentially feel less lower back pain, huh. uh, which is really intriguing. That'd be very, very good. Because um, most people... Uh, aren't familiar, but the the phenomenon of pain is actually incredibly complex, right? And your mind has a large role in both the experience of pain, uh, its consequences on your physical health and mental health, as well as like a rehabilitation process. Right. Um, now, Zach, I'm going to ask you a question, which will be really hard to get the exact number, but we'll try anyways. Uh-oh. Chronic back pain is incredibly prevalent. Right. Prevalent, sorry. What range as a percent of people do you think will experience lower back pain at some point in their lives? Definitely over one half of people. So more than 50, I would say like 50 to 60, 70 to 85% of all people. Wow. Just crazy. That's like, like just of everyone, yeah, of just, like 70% of this group, like 70 to 85% of just people <laughs> will, will experience back pain at some point in their life. That's crazy. It costs the U S 30 to 70 billion dollars every year which as a finance guy a lot of money that's a lot of money <laughs> so any type of therapies uh that could help this would be do a lot of good for a lot of people yeah for sure now the chronic the management of chronic lower back pain should involve both medications and other treatments right. it's been reported that the non-pharmacological treatments don't get much love now you can speculate this might be because of big pharma yeah, well, but, again, because it doesn't sell. But there's no evidence in the paper, so I'm not going to go there today. <laughs> the issue that they highlight here is uh, the accessibility and that an online form of CBT could be really cheap and really easy to implement if done effectively, right? Right. Now, what's the goal of CBT? Has it been effective before for these kind of applications? So it aims to teach uh, things like cognitive restructuring, goal setting, relaxation, and a lot more. And these programs have been effective for helping people with like anything from arthritis, headaches, depression, and of course, back pain. Right. Um, but these are normally administered in a train by a trained professional in kind of an in-person or a group environment. 
uh, but could we get the same results from this online format? And that's what these authors aim to answer, right? Right. So the program is called the Wellness Workbook. Uh, they give it to people 21 and above, uh, and they have some more inclusion criteria. So they have to have a certain level of uh, back pain just from on a scale of 1 to 10. Right. They've had to have back pain for a certain time. I believe it was like greater than six months. Certain, again, qualifications um, to make sure that we're testing the right people. Yep. And, of course, they did their demographic information to ensure that one group was not underrepresented or to even highlight maybe certain groups uh, it might have worked better or worse on. Now, they were told to engage in two chapters of this program per week once they had been recruited. Uh, they do baseline and follow-up measures. Now, these measures include things like pain attitude scale, uh, which measures the strength of pain-related beliefs, which has been shown to affect the rehabilitation process. We've got mood scales, disability scales, more. So just how's your general health? How does your back pain affect you, um, et cetera? I'm sorry, just to clarify, like, is is there a demographic, like, is this, like, in the U.S., Canada, globally, and how many people? Yeah, so I, I think know. they got uh, 166 people who actually signed up on the program online, okay. and they were all from uh, metropolitan areas, so they did, I think they said New York was one of them, Houston, bigger cities, okay. um, where they had said that the, the demographics were going to be, you'd have the greatest, greatest chance of having the most diverse kind of crowd. Yep. Um, cause if you went to maybe a little town in Iowa, you're not going to be representative of the most broad, broad category of people. So, right. uh, they went to some of these big cities, um, you know, 166 to start with. Um, and then some people might've dropped out. Um, but that was the number they had started with. Okay. Perfect. And so then they, yeah, they did all this stuff and they, they hypothesized that the, uh, the people in the program would score better, um, in every category of all these things, which is fairly ambitious, but, yeah. um, and they did ex wow. <laughs> except for like a few minor yeah. subscales they shoot for the stars and they got it. <laughs> exactly. And I think the only one was, uh, there were a few of them. The most important one being that, uh, their physical pain, um, didn't de decrease, um, significantly. Um, but their ability to regulate that pain and to understand it got a lot better. Right. Uh, so these people are going to be able to better regulate their moods. Yeah. Um, they're going to be less afraid of exercise or engaging in physical activity uh, relating to their back pain. They're going to be more confident about their potential for rehabilitation. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and all these things still have the, the potential to improve their quality of life. Um, so what can we draw from this? Well, the program works. Okay, It could be transferred to other chronic pain groups because there's no specific... Um, group of people that wouldn't benefit from cognitive training. Right. Um, but it's not perfect. Uh, they did report that early in their recruitment, they had trouble reaching some of the older populations. So they started off with actually having uh, 21 years old or greater. And for like the second round of recruitment, they had to increase that. I believe they said to 45 and older to try to get people in the older age groups to get more uh, responses from them. Right. So, the problem being is that the older populations, most likely the group that would benefit the most from this. Um, and they did mention earlier in the, the paper that this is becoming more of a prevalent issue um, in part because the, the baby boomer generation is getting older. Yeah. Uh, do, so, when was this study done? Sorry. Uh, it was done in 
2012. Right. So pretty, it's funny. Yeah, because like now, uh, like because of pandemic world and like post COVID, it'd be very interesting if they uh, did the same study because uh, a lot more people have adapted to like more online settings and yeah. like, access to all that stuff. Yeah. I bet you they would not have issues finding that but it is funny because i used to be uh, like a really big issue is because of the baby boomers aging with like uh especially like this type of stuff is like the technological aspect of it too right yeah so no and i i have some experience too you know working with some of the parkinson support groups too and for yeah. the most part the pandemic has really forced people to to adapt and they've yeah. done a really good job of it so i i, I do agree in a sense that if you, you did this again in the COVID age, you might get some uh, some different results, which would be interesting to comment on. You know, how does this work for old people? But how does the pandemic affect our use of these kind of tools? Right. Yeah. Well, and it might become more prevalent later, like with these programs uh, coming out of the pandemic. Like the this might rise to the top, right? Because these yeah. type because we talked about before, like it could be big pharma. There's all these d different things that could have prevented it from being before but maybe it was lack of uh, technological uh, aspects of it. So now that we can reach that older population, because like you said, like uh, it's something that needs to be combined with medication and those other things too. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, commenting then on just the, the complexity of treatment too. I think some people are, are sick of the notion that you just take a pill and you get better. It's like in most cases, that's just not true yeah. right? to diversify the options too would, would, benefit a lot of people just to have different avenues to approach you right. know, whatever chronic pain or anything they might be experiencing right well and lower back is one of those pains too like i know that you have it i've had like a lot of people well obviously 75 ours are more sport related, yeah, but sport yeah. related but like just like the chronic back pains or whatever like a lot of times you just give up and people just learn to live with it so even if you just give an aspect for even to give people hope is a huge avenue right so yep now yeah, so we, you could speculate on then, like, why does the old people or why did this older group not respond? Right. Um, they speculated on a bit, but it, it most likely is just related to the type of advertising that they did, right? Or, again, just the level of tech savviness. Um, and, and that might change, too, right? There are more older individuals that are adapting more to the technology. Uh, yep. So you might see that get better in time. Um and the results might be a little bit different depending on how this information uh, was kind of delivered to these people. And you right. can speculate on that. Um, but if you if we can get this into the hands of people, we know it could do some good. Um, yeah. So there's kind of at least we know what hurdle you got to jump over, right? Yep. Yeah, and this kind of brings us to our final conclusion, which is you know pain is not just you know ouch that hurts, right? Right. Chronic pain in particular is very complex. You know, and, and studies like these show kind of a cheap and effective way to help people gain relief simply by training their minds. Right. You know, and, and to me, it just kind of reinforces the power of, of CBT for almost any application um, and being a, a big proponent of it. The simple way I summarize it is it just promotes healthy thinking. Right. Right. And I'm sure you can imagine where healthy thinking would, ben would benefit people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a good thing. Well, um, again, it's like what you said. There's no negative side effects. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's not a it's not a medication. You're not gonna have a a weird response or negative. It's nothing. It's yeah. just it's you can only go up. It's a low risk, incredibly effective way of managing pain, right. managing anxiety, headaches, tons of different stuff. And you know, anyone who who has tried CBT or been through CBT who might be listening, uh, can probably attest to that as well too. It's it really has a way of 
changing the environment, the mental environment that you put yourself in. And, and as we can see here, chronic pain um, can be one of those things that can benefit from that as well, too. So I know it's a bit of a short, uh, short one today, um, but that's all. So we mentioned um, CBT is applicable everywhere. You know what's also applicable everywhere? Uh-oh. Being smart with your money. Boom. <laughs> Go learn how to do that over at the Fiscal Frisk podcast. Fiscal Frisk. Zach's got new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on all your favorite streaming services. Music today brought to you by Daniel Hughes. So for Zach and I, stay happy and healthy. And thank you for joining the Health Science Podcast. Mm-hmm.